Welcome to Life Learnings. My name is Paul Kachansky, and our guest today is Kokto Yip. That's a very interesting name. Kokto, welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio. Right, thank you very much. Now, your background is from Malaysia, hence your very unique name. Well, yes, uh, it's a common name out there, but it may sound unique to you. Well, yes. Um, does it mean anything? Does your name mean anything? Oh, it's uh, Chinese characters. Okay. And I think the the Yip is a family name. Okay. And that means leaf, as in the leaves of trees. Beautiful. Yeah. But the Im- interesting part of my name is To. What does that mean? To actually means um, a map of the New Jerusalem. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Wow. Our guest today is a researcher and speaker on Eastern meditation. And uh, Kokto, you've grown up or you grew up in a Buddhist family in Malaysia. Yes, yes. What was life like in Malaysia growing up? Well, it's, uh, it was a British colony at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were being in- educated in English. Mm-hmm. Um, Buddhism was the family or the Chinese southern religion. Mm-hmm. We were nominal Buddhists, as most Buddhists were mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was this Buddhism in, in the background of our life. Okay. And uh, we grew up taking it quite for granted. Mm-hmm. Until 18 years of age? Yes, at 18, I saw uh, a Buddhist monk protesting against the Americans, a Vietnamese Buddhist monk. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, obviously a meditator because his protest was sitting cross-legged, dousing himself with a patrol and setting himself alight. Traumatic. And yes, he obviously loved his country, uh, had strength and courage, setting himself alight and protesting against the Americans and it made a great impression on me because uh, I was looking for courage and strength and I thought Buddhism was, here was a, an example of mm. a great Buddhist man, right? Mm, mm. So I uh, wanted to be a better Buddhist at that time. And what did you do to to move in that direction? At 18, I, I, I went to London. Mm. Um, and in London, uh, meditation of all sorts, Buddhist meditation included, uh, were the rave of that time. Now, 40 years ago. Mm. Uh, it was quite, the, quite the, the in thing. Yes, there were the, uh, the hippie movement. <laughs> and there were the Beatles. Yeah. And they were meditating. And they were bringing in uh, Indian music, uh, the sitar. And they were meditating with uh, Maharishi, mm. transcendental meditation. And songs came out that uh, embodied that philosophy. And that was you. you? You were in that movement as well? No, no, no. I was observing this. Okay. I mean, this was fashionable. Mm-hmm. This was done by celebrities and, and well-known people like the Beatles. But in my country, Buddhism was in the, of the backyard variety. I mean, people were meditating in the caves and up in the upper reaches of the, the river on their own. They were recluses and hermits. But in the West, it was completely different. What, what did that mean to you? Yeah. Wow. You know, like, oh, I should take it up. Uh-huh. I rejected it. I looked down upon it when I was at home mm-hmm. because it was the backyard variety. Mm. But here, 
oh, in London? It was fashionable and cool. So it was London that got me meditating, Eastern style. It's a strange thing. What does that mean, meditating? Ah, meditating is like this. Mm. When we live, we fear death. Mm -hmm. So grasping at life uh, brings in suffering, the fear of death. And when we're nearer to death, we wish we have more life. Mm -hmm. So life itself is uh, stressful because we are grasping at it. So meditation says, uh, let's find peace, inner peace. Mm -hmm. Let's see life and death as illusions and back away from it, to detach from it, to detach from this world so that we find another reality, the inner reality, the inner divine. Because everyone looks for that kind of peace in their life, right? Yes, yes. So it's a very appealing, right? Now, mm. the question is, is this inner reality real? Mm -hmm. uh, or is it better to have a strength from above to face the evil of the day, to confront our weakness, right? Rather than detach from it, meditate, and forget about it. Uh -huh. And see life as an illusion. See death and, 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 and life, uh, uh, good and evil, outside as illusions and to find something else within. Would you say it's a way of escape from, oh. from the pain and the suffering that we see in this world? And let's be honest, there's lots of pain, lots of suffering if we look for it. But there's also lots of good and lots of peace and lots of wonderful things in the world. Yes, but the meditator detaches from both. Mm. <laughs> All yeah. right, to another reality, the inner reality and inner divine, where he is one with the universe, uh -huh. the stars and the moon, uh, the sky and the air and the mountains and the seas. All right, now imagine this. If you were to detach from life and felt yourself as one with the universe. Mm -hmm. It may be something new and exciting, right? but as one with the universe, do you feel love? Is there love in the universe? Well, I don't feel love from the stars. <laughs> exactly. That's the point. I feel love between two humans, between an animal and a human, between family, friends. Yes. God. Yes, exactly. So the detachment is rather cold. Mm -hmm. But why do people then meditate? Yes, that's because my question. Because in meditation, they are compensated. As they meditate, they get a lot more beta waves, uh, a lot more alpha waves, sorry. Okay. Beta waves are what you're, you're experiencing now as you talk to me. You, you, you're thinking. Th these you're, are brain waves. These are brain these waves. Are, these are thoughts and patterns of, of brain activity. Yes. And beta is a very fast wave. It allows you to think and compare what I'm saying with what you know yes. uh, to respond and so forth. But once mm -hmm. you drift into alpha, it's pre-sleep. Your mind is drifting. It's not concentrating. Which means you're not really thinking critically about what's being said, what's being spoken. Yes. Uh -huh. And then in deeper meditation, you go, you go into teetha, which it's is very deep sleep wave. So there are more of these sleep waves than beta in meditation. Right? And, mm. and you go immediately into, into something else, your, your amygdala, which is your fight and flight uh, mechanism in your brain, mm -hmm. calms down. So you feel at 
in, in bliss and tranquility. Mm-hmm. So these are the compensations, right? Mm-hmm. So although it's cold and uh, cold to detach from the world, from the joys of it, and the pain, mm-hmm. it's it's detaching. The detachment is compensated with these neural phenomena, and there are more. Uh, it's but, addictive. There's more dopamine in the brain. Sixty-five percent more dopamine. So dopamine is addictive, mm-hmm. and so it draws you in. And why is the what? Why is it so dangerous to have these kind of brain activities when your frontal lobe is switched off? Ah, the frontal lobe. We must get into that mm. one. Yes. Now, um, how does one switch off one's frontal lobe in meditation? That's the that's what the question, and the science answers that. And why is it so dangerous, in All your right. opinion? All right. The frontal lobe it, it consists of 33% of your brain bash in the front. And... That is the seat of your will, mm-hmm. your reality, love, worship, uh, choosing between right and wrong. The scientists even say that that's the place where you decide to make peace. When you really want to make peace and you shake hands with your enemy, mm-hmm. that part of the frontal lobe called the ACC, the anterior cingulate cortex, actually lights up. But if you shake hands with your enemy, and did not want to make peace, but you pretended to shake hands, your amygdala fires at the back. Wow. <laughs> All right, they can see that. Now, <laughs> in um, meditation, the frontal lobe goes down. Right? And the frontal lobe is important for what function? Well, your will, love. Critical thoughts? Yeah. Oh, thinking? Yes, creative thoughts, thinking, reality, mm-hmm. your will. Decision-making? Yes, decision-making. Wow. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the point is not that, not that your decision is impaired. It's when your frontal lobe goes down, uh, different parts also go down. And when those parts go down, you're very susceptible to suggestions. For example, mm-hmm. they found that there are two parts in the frontal lobe that has to work in sync with each other all the time, all the time. And it's your will and your reality. Mm. When any one of those two goes down, you are already hypnotized. So if your frontal lobe goes down entirely in meditation, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. are self-hypnotizing. And under those circumstances, the suggestion that from the ones you're meditating with are easily passed on to you. For example, if I'm meditating with Mm Buddhists and I get to that point where my frontal lobe goes down, they'll say to me, oh, you have reached Buddha's liberation. And I would accept that. Or you've reached nirvana if I was meditating with Hindus. Mm-hmm. And I would accept that. And, and they would have explained to me before that point what nirvana is and what liberation is. And now Christians are doing it. And when Christians do it, they get to that point. They are fellow meditators say, Oh, you've come into the presence of God himself. Mm. Or you're one with God. So the phenomena exposes you. Closes down in front of the lobe, exposes you to suggestions. So your firewall is down. Your protection is gone. Mm. That's, that's interesting. Yes. But it's also, at the same time, blissful, addictive. And dangerous, the, da- the ultimate mm. danger mm-hmm. of meditation is when your parietal lobe goes down. 
Alright, now what is a parietal lobe? There you, in the parietal, you have a sense of your position in three-dimensional space. Alright, uh, you know you are 10 feet from the ceiling, uh, 10 feet down. from the door, sitting down, you've got a, a broad sense of your body shape. But when your parietal goes down, because your frontal lobe is deactivated, mm-hmm. you lose completely your sense of position in three-dimensional space. Mm-hmm. You lose a sense of your body shape. At once, you become one with the universe, and the universe is one with you. Mm-hmm. So it is in this, uh, this phenomena that you've got to make sense of. You sense and you're propelled into thinking that you are everything. You have no limit, no physical limit, no mental limit, no mm-hmm. spiritual limit. Mm-hmm. And the limits of, 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 of the spiritual realm, like good and evil, disappears. There's no life and death. Mm. There's no heaven, no hell. <laughs> well, thank you for explaining that because that's, that's powerful, but that's also very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, particularly for Christians. Particularly for Christians that right. need to keep their their judgment and their decisions and their will sharp and in focus. Yes, yes. And, and the, the, the real problem is this. They are introducing Eastern practices, Eastern meditative practices, um, with Christian mantras mm. like Maranatha mm-hmm. or Jesus have mercy on my soul. And you just keep repeating that? Repeating it. Just like... Uh, 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 an Eastern mantra, right? But the point really is, it doesn't matter what you say with your mouth. The same things happen in your brain. That repetitive uh, re- repetition is causes neural phenomena to brain, for your brain to go to sleep. Really, well, sleeping is one thing, but there's uh, not to sleep. Sorry, for your brain to to have more brain wa- more sleep waves, sleep waves and activity amygdala's down all that dangerous yep. Yeah, yep. And, and then your parietal goes down and all the dangers we discussed and before all the dangers come in so you're into this I'd like to ask you how did you get out of this when you had children what did you and your wife do well it was the thing and I, I had no sense that it was uh, dangerous what happened was uh, my wife and I, uh, when I was uh, near 37 years old, had three children, mm-hmm. and she was raised in a, a Christian school. Mm-hmm. And she said, perhaps we should begin to think uh, about our future and our beliefs. So let's go and study the Bible. Did that surprise you? It did. Uh, and I was kind of aloof and above it, like, I know God, you know, I am connected with the universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, we studied. Uh, and we studied with about, with about four groups. And Seventh-day Adventists were, were one of them. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot about Christ. Mm-hmm. And I discovered something about him that is the complete opposite of Buddhism. Now, you'd grown up in, in the Buddhism mindset, and now you're introduced to Christ, Jesus Christ, from the Bible. They're both leaders yes. of a large religious following. Mm-hmm. What did you notice? Well, my mind went back to that 
Buddhist monk who set himself afire. Mm-hmm. Now, he loved his country and loved his fellow men, but he despised the Americans and he protested against them. Mm-hmm. So he set himself aflame in protest against the Americans. Now, as I read the Bible, I discovered that Jesus, well, a lot of people hated him, mm-hmm. but he had no enemies. He gave his life for the enemy. Whilst the monk gave his life against the enemy. And that opened my eyes to the strength of love of God. Mm. Now, I was meditating. It was cold. It had a lot of neural phenomena. right? But love was absent. And then I saw Jesus, his love. Mm-hmm. And That love just shone through and and convicted me. And one day I was brought to, um, over several days, three days, I was brought to hear a speaker. Mm -hmm. And on the third day, he talked about the cross of Christ. And he asked the question, this was on the third day, and, and, and the penny dropped at that point. He said, whose hands deserves to be nailed? Your hands. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you have stolen, you've given hurt, you have withdrawn support, you've uh, done all things bad with your hands. Your hands need to be nailed. But it was Christ's hands who were nailed. And Mm. at at that point, I really felt my sins. Mm. But I saw my sins in the love of God, that He loved me. And His love humbled me to see my own sins. If not for Him Mm -hmm. on the cross... I would have no courage to face my own sins. So it was in the comfort of love, in the humility of his love, that he caused me to see my sins. And you didn't run away from God, but you ran to God. Yes. And here is someone who loves and helps me confront my weaknesses. Whilst in meditation, I did not confront my weaknesses. In meditation, you came to a point where you do not differentiate between good and evil. Mm-hmm. So it's a completely opposite outcome entirely. Mm, yes. You see? So God was amazing to me, you know? And, and the other thing, as I studied, yes. was more interesting. Buddha was a, a prince in a palace, and he grew up with a king and queen who loved him so much, did not want him to see death. Mm-hmm. So they brought in young servants, retired old servants, Buddha got married, had children, never saw death. He followed the charioteer out of the palace one day, disobedient as he was. And he, be- he saw death for the first time. He saw a corpse and he saw a funeral. And it distressed him. Mm-hmm. And he meditated to get away from that suffering. And at the high point of his meditation, when he did not differentiate between good and evil, he escaped or was liberated from karma. When he did the differentiate between life and death, he was liberated from reincarnation. So Buddha meditated to, into an inner reality where there was no life, no death, hmm. no good, no evil. Now, Christ, if you like to compare it this way, was in heaven, no death in heaven. He looked over the palace walls and saw death on earth. What did, he, what did he do about it? He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, hmm. of mortal flesh. 
confronted death in the face and defeated death for us. Hmm. And what so, does it give us instead? Oh, life and righteousness. It was an exchange. Right. The the life that he deserved, he gave to us. Exactly. And the death that we deserved, he took. Yes. Now that's love. Yes. And wow. our sins, our death from our sins, he took and gave us his life. Wow. So here was one who confronted death, not who meditated and saw death as an illusion for an inner reality, hmm. not one who escaped from the distress of death, but confronted death. Mm. And I saw that as immense strength. And, and that changed my life because I learned from that that I must live a life where I confront my weaknesses, mm-hmm. my problems, my issues. Mm. So it completely turned me around. Our guest today is Kok To Yip, a researcher and speaker on Eastern meditation. Kok to, your concept of God, was this something that you... How did you come up with this? Just by reading the Bible? Did you compare your worldview from where you came from? How did your concept of God grow and develop when you saw these differences in what you knew and what you were learning? When I observed these things, uh, it took me a while to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buddhists, like everybody else, are looking for peace and tranquility, a uh, good quality of life and... Uh, peace and uh, to have to have a life to have freedom mm-hmm. mm? uh, they're looking for paradise in heaven like everybody else but yes. how did they conceive this how did they uh, what's their worldview mm-hmm. right now in their terms they see the world or the universe the whole universe as equal to God now that's called pantheism mm-hmm. so the whole universe, the sun and the moon and stars and, and the galaxies, is God, is equal to God. Mm-hmm. And in their experience, they, they see in their, their world on earth that there is good and evil. So good and evil in the pantheistic concept is God. God is both good and evil. Mm-hmm. In their view. In their view. Okay. And so a Buddhist has in himself both good and evil. He accepts that as his part, faith. Part of God. Inescapable. Mm-hmm. And that he is God because the whole universe is God. God is in the, the, the flowers and the trees and the air. God is in him. Uh, he's born with an inner divine. Right? He meditates to discover the inner divine. And therefore, he's one with the whole universe. It's all divine. It's all God. That's pantheism. Mm-hmm. That is their worldview. And that's how they deal with uh the distress of life. They say, when I die, I will pass and fold from death unto life again, reincarnation, Mm -hmm. you see. So it's all one big cycle. Is there any evidence to support that, that, that worldview? Well, they quote all kinds of things to support that worldview. They say, oh, it all started with the Big Bang. There was nothing before the Big Bang. And with the Big Bang, positive and negative particles came about and expanded. So there's positive and negative, good and evil from the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. And as the Big Bang uh, grew and then collapsed in the future, in the next billions of years, 
positive and negative cease to exist again. So, but here right now, we are in that great big positive and negative, particles, good and evil, and that's the world. That's God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the divine. So what's another worldview that people try to explain this whole good and evil, yeah. right and wrong? Well, there's theism. Now, okay. Theism says this. There's God the creator. He is, he is the author and creator of the universe. And the earth, as corrupt as it may be, God is not corrupted. Now, we find ourselves in, on the earth. Mm-hmm. Right? We may have good and evil to begin with, but God seeks to heal us from it, mm-hmm. to pull us out of it. So we may be born in the world, in the world, but when God sanctifies and pulls us out of it, He sanctifies and He uh, causes us not to be off the world. Mm-hmm. So good and evil is 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 addressed as opposites. He sanctifies us, he turns us from evil to good, heals us and pulls us out of it. So that's theism. God being a, the creator is separate from what happened after the fall. So it's very different mm-hmm. from pantheism, which says the whole universe is God. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Including the evil within. So um, that's the big difference. Yes. Now, it's very difficult because of the Buddhist worldview to change him from one to the other. Mm-hmm. And what caused me to change was love of God. That yeah. was tremendously powerful? Yes, because God in 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 the Christian concept, in the biblical concept, is a person. The universe, big as it is, fantastic as it is, is just energy and particles and globes and so <laughs> forth. Love doesn't exist, but love exists in a personal God. When there's relationships. Exactly. So that was missing in, in, in meditation. Mm. Now, what's interesting these days is the emergent church. The emergent church is taking on Eastern meditation. The emergent church uh, has the concept of God, mm-hmm. but it's taking on Eastern meditation. Blending the two? Blending the two, <laughs> mm. right? So it's not pantheism anymore. That's East, right? Uh, the whole world, the whole universe is God. That's pantheism. Now, the emergent church is what we call panentheistic. There is God. There's the universe. Uh, God is still within the universe. In other words, God penetrates the universe with all his love. Mm-hmm. Right? So, but the universe is good and evil. We know that, right? We've seen things on earth that tells us so. But God penetrates and saturates the, the earth with his love. So if you look at just the earth and God saturating it with all his love, the earth itself so saturated with God looks like God is equal to the earth. Yes. Yeah. So the new uh, 
panentheistic Christianity says this. You are the child of God. You're born with God. You have the inner divine that was given to you by God, your immortal soul. Mm-hmm. And all you need to do is change your focus, focus on the existence of God, and you'll be naturally, uh, organically transformed. Now, what it says is this. It's very similar to a meditator discovering his inner divine. What, what the emergent church is saying, you do not need to go to uh, repentance. Uh, you need to believe only simply. Um, when you change your focus, you will be transformed very naturally, organically. So it negates uh, the, the, the ability of God to work upon the heart to show the sin in love. Mm-hmm. It negates sanctification as a process of salvation. So the sharing in the death of Christ is completely taken away. Sharing in the death and the resurrection of Christ. So your turning point was? My turning point was from Buddhism to Christianity. And mm-hmm. I, I turned because I heard that preacher speak at the cross. And it was in the love of God, mm-hmm. the love of Christ that showed me my sins, and which I repented of. Mm. And, which I, and at which point, in the love of God, I desired to be good, like him. That turning point is absent in the emergent church. And that was a decision that you made to accept God's love and forgiveness and power to live a new life. Exactly. Yes. Mm. So when, 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 when the emergent church preaches unconditional love as a soothing form of um, placating uh, bliss and tranquility, they have uh, hidden away from the believer the power of God. The, the tran- power, transforming power? That's right, the transforming, sanctifying power of God. Mm. So by, by misapplying and making unconditional love too sweet, it loses its power. Now, mm. when does unconditional love of God actually kicks in to our being? Mm-hmm. Right? The Bible says this, we are to love God with all our soul and all our might and all our, our strength. Our strength. Now, when that happens, it's unconditional love on our part from God, for God. Now, when that kicks in, you have truly received the unconditional love of God. Yes. But the emergent church teaches it the other way. It's a one-way love from God to us. It's a Santa Claus kind of love. It's Mm. not two ways. Mm. So they do not teach the sanctifying power of God the real power of God, the mm. unconditional, unconditionality mm. when we truly respond mm. without conditions. If when we respond without conditions, we are saying, God, no conditions. We're yours. Mm-hmm. We'll be gladly obedient, or lovingly obedient. Yes. And that's what happens at that point. And that's true conversion. Mm. Our guest today is Kokto Yip, a speaker and a researcher on Eastern meditation. 
Cocteau, you said you had some stories to share. Oh, yes. Tell us some stories where you've seen the this in practice. Right. Uh, the Eastern mind, the Eastern meditation, looks at themselves. It looks into the, the power within. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you some stories. They are beautiful little stories, mm-hmm. but they ha- they, hidden in the story is the toxicity. The toxicity is the suggestion that within you is the power. When, But for a Christian, when he looks within himself, he only sees the, his own deceptiveness. Mm. Uh, he can't trust himself. That's why he trusts God. And it's God of love yes. that transforms him. Now, so if, if too many of these stories are heard, this, this simplistic, not simplistic, but rather clever little stories, Eastern mm-hmm. stories, and I'll tell you some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very beautiful and very uh, titillating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you'd understand how they try to uh, uh, subtly let you know that you're both good and evil and it's okay. Mm. Right. Okay. So there's a story about a king, a great king going to battle. He has this great big army with him, and he's going to battle. And he began, began to think, what if I die? Uh, what is heaven like? What's hell like? Mm-hmm. And he didn't have an answer in his heart. And they came across a wise man. And the great king said, oh, wise man, tell me, what is heaven and what's hell? And the wise man said, oh, king, I have no time for you. And the king gets angry and said, oh, wise man, I'll slay you if you don't tell me. (laughs) So the wise man said, oh, king, uh, in your fury, there is now hell in you. Mm -hmm. And then the king said, oh, thank you, wise man. You've told me what I needed to know. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. And then the wise man said, Oh, great king, now there's heaven in you. So beautiful little story. So within the king and the wise man, both of them, great king, great wise man, mm-hmm. they both possess good and evil in themselves as a matter of nature. Mm-hmm. Forever. <laughs> right? So here's a story Mm -hmm. that talks about the coexistence of good and evil as a matter of fact, Mm -hmm. as a matter of design. Can they really exist simultaneously in the same place? Obviously not, right? Before the fall, it was all good. God Mm -hmm. created Eden and said it was good. Mm -hmm. It was good. It was good Mm. (laughs) until the fall. It was after the fall that good and evil came about. And the chaos came about on earth. But people, wise people at that, looks upon the subsequent chaos and, and concludes that this is the natural state of things, good and evil, mm. coexisting. Right? So Satan, having done that, is causing these thoughts that good and evil coexists, And so it's sunk into every aspect of, of Eastern thought, these this thoughts are in, in, in yin-yang, for example. Now, yin-yang is, if you've seen that shape, that, that mm-hmm. circle, black, white. it has both black and white. 
But it's not a balance, just a balance of black and white. It's a coexistence of black and white as one for eternity. Mm. Ah, see, that's what it is. So yin yang encompasses good and evil as, and, and then folks that do tai chi, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they move their body and, and they're flowing. Now, a tai chi master is only a master when he fuses both yin and yang into one supreme ultimate. Now, is there something more supreme than a supreme ultimate? No. no. So, good and evil, when fused together in uh, an, a form of exercises, a meditative exercises, becomes the master becomes supreme and ultimate. So embedded with us in, in a simple Tai Chi exercise is that principle. Hmm. So what does the Bible say about these things? The Bible says the mature Christian, through use, has the power of discernment. King, De- uh, King Solomon said to God, when God asked him what he wanted, he said he wanted to know the difference between good and evil. Mm. And it pleased God. Mm. Right? Yes. The Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. The Bible says, you have to be either hot or cold. <laughs> you mustn't be lukewarm. Now, lukewarm is a good and evil mix. Mm. You see. Now, the, the, the amazing thing, the Bible predicts that at the end of time, Christianity goes apostate. And if you look at Zephaniah 1.7, mm-hmm. it says this is the time of the day of the Lord, which is the time of the end before Jesus comes. Mm-hmm. Zephaniah 1.12, it says this, and the Lord will come and with candles to seek out in Jerusalem the men who are so settled on their lease, and lease means settled like sediment, mm-hmm. lease. Mm-hmm. And he will punish them who think that God will do both good and evil. Mm-hmm. So at the end of time, Christianity takes on meditative practices. Does not differentiate between good and evil. They even begin to see God as someone who does both. Does the Bible say God is good? Oh, God is Absolutely good, perfectly all, good. All good. All good. But at the end, Christianity makes that great, big, deceptive error. Cocteau Yip is our guest, and we're going to give an offer at the end of the program for a book that helps explain this good and evil and the struggle. Cocteau, how can we get a true picture an understanding of these issues we've, we've been talking about? The thing is to dwell into the Bible and and see and, and read this book. Now, this book, what's its, its name? The Great Controversy. All right. The Great Controversy is a book that traces the struggle of good against evil mm-hmm. throughout the ages, and particularly from the Reformation onwards. Okay. And it takes you through um, what's happened in, in, in the past in Israel, uh, what's happening today, and it prophesies what will happen in the future. And 
the, in the near future, uh, its prophecies are happening so rapidly, coming to pass, mm. that we can see the prophecies happening and becoming real before us. Mm. Now, it identifies what spiritualism. For example, mm-hmm. that spiritualism is something that happens, uh, has happened before, but it exerts its influence to the point that it unites both Catholicism and Protestantism. Mm. Now, Catholicism has had a, a long history of the contemplative tradition, the mystical tradition. Mm-hmm. And it is this tradition that has taken the Eastern meditative practices into itself over the last 50 or more years. And then the Protestants have taken this amalgamation of the East and Catholic meditative practices and taken it into Protestantism. Mm. And, And this book, The Great Controversy, tells you this. When we see the um, union, and it's fast happening now, mm-hmm. between Catholicism and Protestantism, mm-hmm. do not think it is only a twofold union. It's a threefold union. Mm. Spiritualism is the third and chief entity. And what we've been discussing so far, mm-hmm. right, the East, it is spiritualism because it, we can trace the source of the amalgamation of good and evil back to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mm. Now, spiritualism is just this. When Satan speaks, that's spiritualism. Mm-hmm. Don't listen. All right? So what he speaks is spiritualism. And in Eden, he said, we all have an immortal soul, an inner divine. You'll be as gods. Your eyes will be open. And you will know good and evil. Now, yep. he didn't mean, come on over, Eve, to my side, away from God who's absolutely good, and discern between good and evil. Mm-hmm. If he had said that, Eve, in discerning good and evil, would have gone back to God. Mm. What he said was, come on over. Mm. And over at my end, you do not need to discern between good and evil. You can go beyond good and evil. You don't need to differentiate between good and evil. So non-differentiation is the backbone of Eastern meditation. Mm. And if there was no inner divinity in, in man, and the source of that suggestion of immortality and inner divinity is from that, that tree, mm-hmm. from Satan in that garden, that only source. If that was taken away, if we accept the fact that we have no inner immortality, no inner divine, it takes away the very basis for meditation, for Eastern meditation. Because in meditation, their objective is to discover the inner divine. If there's nothing to discover, there's nothing to meditate about and nothing <laughs> yes. to connect one with the, with the universe and the, 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 the energy and the God of the air and the plants and so forth. So this book, The Great Controversy, tells mm-hmm. you chapter and verse how this occurs. And as you read, you will see how we are at the point of time. We are in the last remnant of time. Hmm. 
because of the strength and the emergence of spiritual spiritualism that's uniting both the Catholic and the Protestant Church. Wow, and that's happening right before our eyes. Right. I mean, if you read the news, the Pope is calling for unity. And he had put up a, a short video, under two minutes. Mm-hmm. And the unity he's calling for is between... All religions. Well, all religions. But this particular uh, um, video had Christians uniting with Buddhists, mm-hmm. um, the Jews, and um, Muslims. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you ask yourself, the Jews, the Muslims, and uh, Buddhism, they all do not believe in Christ for who he is. He's looking for a unity of people who do not believe in Christ for who he is with Christianity. Mm. Now, if you look at this, this is the fusion of polar opposites. Mm. <laughs> people who don't believe in Christ, people who believe in Christ, merging them, and that is the fusion of polar opposites. That's a non-dual unity. Mm. So it's a unity of uh, convenience, an alliance of of convenience. So it it is not the unity we are looking for. Now, what is the Christian unity? What's a true unity? Now, Mm. if you look at Hebrews 2.11, it says this, both he who sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, one. Mm-hmm. for which cause he who sanctifieth is not ashamed to call them brethren. Mm. So the oneness is in sanctification. What's the reference again? Hebrews chapter Hebrews two eleven. Chapter two verse eleven. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's a sanctifying unity you want, which is between God and humanity. That's right. So it's a very different concept. The unity that's proposed by the East and mm-hmm. by the emergent church is not about sanctified unity. It's about a unity of convenience on the platform of love and compassion. It's true. Mm-hmm. But is that platform real? Mm. Is it what is expected by God of his people? That's the big question. Mm. So, so where can true unity come from? True unity can come only from God. True unity can come only when we have the mind of Christ as promised. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus, who was a man, not only a man, but a servant, not only a servant, but a sacrifice. And if we gaze upon him, and as we, he mm. draws us with his love, he cuts self, self, uh, self from the soul. And it is in that drawing of us towards himself that he sanctifies us and makes us one, calls us brethren. Hmm. So it is an act of God. And it's about relationship again. Again, it's relationship, but it's a true relationship and not a, a, a superficial, shallow, spurious relationship. Hmm. So, But the relationship is triggered by a rather cathartic experience in the believer. He sees his sins. He sees his sins in the love of God. I'll tell you the story. Mm, please. You remember Peter followed Christ, mm-hmm. right? And the mission failed. And he went back to fishing. Mm. And in fishing, he caught no fish. Mm. And Christ came back for him. 
he saw Christ, and Christ told him where to catch fish, and the nets were full. He wasn't interested in those fish and the nets. He saw his sins. He went up to Jesus, knelt, grabbed Jesus' heels, heel, and said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Depart from me, O Lord. So the love of God coming back from him when he deserted him. Hmm. So he, he saw the love of God. The love of God humbled him. He was not interested in fish anymore, but he was interested in Christ. But he felt inadequate. Inadequate. He felt his sins to the point that he, he in kneeling down, he's saying, just joy. I deserve only your heel. Depart hmm. from me. I'm a sinful man. But he saw his sins only because of the... He saw his sins in the instant that he knew the love of God. Hmm. So the love in of God context. is not blind. Yes. The love of God shows our sin. It humbles us and comforts us to, for us to be able to confront our weaknesses and our sins. And then in the next moment when Christ said, follow me, mm-hmm. he followed him, gave up his life again for Christ. Was his now, life transformed? Yes, but it was transformed as he grew, but we know that he denied Christ three times. So when I said our life grows and is cathartic. What do you mean by that? By, by that I mean it is, uh, it is quite a, a pur- purgative, uh, uh, traumatic experience to a large extent. Mm-hmm. A, a, a revelation from God of who we are, but in love. An admittance to ourselves that we need God. Mm. If we don't go through that process, we will live thinking that we do not need God. There are many people that go through life saying, I'm okay. Well, that's because they think they are self-sufficient. They think they, are, uh, they don't need God. Yes. Because, and they see the need for God as a weakness. Mm. When the need for God is is only triggered when we see our deficiencies in relation to the power of God, mm. in relation to the authority of God, in relation to the love of God. How do we see that? Well, how did it happen for you? Because you came from a background of a very different reality mm-hmm. to a Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. What was your process? How did you begin to understand that? You've explained a bit of it. Was it because of the love of God that helped you understand the true meaning of who humans are and who God is? Well, there I was meditating, and I thought I knew mm-hmm. about the universe. My worldview was solid. Mm-hmm. Right? And then I heard this preach. I, I began to study with about four groups of Christians. Right? Things began to sink in. And then I was listening to this preacher for three days. And little things happened when, when, when they preach. Mm-hmm. You, you begin to assimilate and change bits of worldview. Mm-hmm. The shape and the mind of your understanding of God begins to change. And the cross, when he preached the cross, that did it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no greater love than what happened at the cross. Is that and, unique? And, and the Bible says this. Yep. Uh, no greater love is there than when a man lays down his life for his friend. Yes. And Jesus laid down his life for those who rejected him. His enemies. His enemies, whom he regards as friends. That's the wonder of God. That's amazing. Yes. So that turned me around completely. 
Is Christianity the only worldview that has this understanding of who God is and his love for humanity? No, there are just as there are different gods, there are different versions of love. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So different gods uh, show different versions of love. And some gods, they do not show the agape love of the Christian. Now, what do you mean by agape love? Agape love is this unconditional, come as you are to the cross, and we will heal, God will heal you. True love. True love. Right? Mm-hmm. Unconditional. Come as you are. You need God, and God will heal you. That's his mission. Mm. That's all he came for. Yes. Right? That's agape. But there's another kind of love called eros. Eros is self-love. There are many gods of eros. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, you can stay as you are, and you can be self-sufficient as you are. The power is within you, and you are okay. So that's eros, and uh, there are the power within you. You know that's another form of assurance that you are okay. Now, um, the there was another story, a Zen story that I can tell you about mm-hmm. how they perpetuate this idea of the power within. Um, they tell the story of a Zen archer shooting an arrow um, at a, an apple at 20 paces. He hits it all the time. Right? Um, and this time he, he, he's in, within a tent, a big tent, a long tent. And he looks at that apple on a stake at 30 paces. The flaps of the tank goes, tent goes down. He's in pitch darkness. He holds the image of that apple in his mind. He shoots and he hits it. So here they're perpetuating the idea that the mind is everything, and by the mind all things are overcome. Mm. They're perpetuating the power within. But, and so by, by doing that, they're negating the power from God, yeah. the more powerful power from God. Mm. Cocteau, we've discussed a lot of concepts, a lot of deep concepts, and some of our listeners may have questions. Where can they go to find some answers to their questions about the things we've discussed? You've got a website. Yes. What's that website, please? Yes, come to my website. Mm -hmm. Um, It's got videos. It's got scientific material. uh, It's got – you can dig through it in in probably more than – you have to dig through it in more than 30 days. Okay. (laughs) But it's going to be a pleasant experience. The website's name is meditation Dash. Mind your brain. Mind your brain is one word. Mm-hmm. So it's meditation dash mind your brain. And I wish you happy digging. <laughs> well, and the book that we have been referring to is called The Great Controversy. And does that explain some of the good and the evil and the struggle between Christ and Satan and puts a an understanding of the worldview for everyone to read? Is that is that what you'd say? That book is a seminal work to depict good and evil, the struggle, and how it ends. And it ends that God proves his love. Well, just what you've been talking about. Yes, exactly. And Satan is wrong. To obtain that book, contact 3ABN Australia Radio. Our phone number in Australia is 02-4973-3456 or contact us via our website Search for 3ABN Australia. Our guest today has been Kok Yip, a speaker, 
and a former Zen meditator and a researcher in Eastern meditation. Cocteau, it's been enlightening speaking with you. Thank you for sharing your experiences. Thank you for sharing your stories. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Well, God bless you and tune in next time for another Life Learnings on 3ABN Radio Network. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.